It's great to be with you guys this morning. We've been here for a while, actually, and we, we praise God for that. But uh, I thought we would start um, by giving an update on what's happening in Senegal and then um, what my role is like at equipping the saints, and then we'll, then we'll jump into a message. I'll try to be as brief as I can in these moments here. But So my wife and uh, our family and I, we served in Senegal, West Africa for about four and a half years, and we just got back in June. And uh, we've been members here at Calvary since, I think, 2008 or 9, somewhere in there. And uh, so this is home for us. This is our church home. This is where we uh, plan to be um, for, for years and years into the future. And so we're so grateful for you guys and for this church. And um, we did, uh, our, our ministry there was um, called Tree of Life. It's a reproducible discipleship strategy. We worked alongside of Joe Fleming um, and the Flemings in Senegal, and then when Joe came back, he started a ministry called Training to Send, which um, raises support here in the States and then sends those, that, that, those resources to help uh, indigenous uh, missionaries in Africa get from uh, A to B to, to make disciples and plant multiplying uh, churches. Um, you guys are well aware of the, uh, the Tree of Life Training Center in Senegal. This is an, just a little bit of an update on, on that. If you got our last newsletter, there was a video in there that we put together, Rachel put together, uh, about, uh, about the training center, but I thought I'd show a few pictures. Um, so the training center is coming along, along. That's the training room where, um, where folks, men and women, uh, will be trained and, and pastors will be trained for the ministry um, all across uh, Africa. Um, here's uh, pictures of the hallway corridor, and so the tile is going up the, and um, or going down, going up the wall or down on the floor. And then uh, the, also um, they started painting, and so uh, we're making progress. It's slowly but surely we're making progress. So we praise God for, uh, for all the progress that has been made there. Um, again, Rachel and I, we served there for four and a half years alongside of some credible national partners, uh, to your left is Ufi and Olga. Um, they are the leaders of Tree of Life uh, in, in, uh, in Senegal and many of the French-speaking countries. And in the middle is Fiac uh, and Carly, uh, husband and wife. And he was my ministry partner that I spent hours and hours and hours and days with while we were uh, there traveling all over uh, West Africa. I want to highlight three countries, and this will become more clear as we move forward here. But the first is Sierra Leone. Um, this is an English-speaking country, um, just south of Senegal by two countries. And so uh, Sierra Leone, uh, is, a, is a, God's doing an incredible work there. And so we started training there in, in 2020. And, um, and since then, um, uh, well, in 2020, uh, nine, they planted nine churches, 2021, 14 churches, 22, 18. And so far this year, uh, they've planted 31 uh, churches. So God's doing an incredible work. Amen. Praise God. Thousands and thousands of new believers. You guys have helped donate towards the Bible project that we've been doing with, uh, with, for Sierra Leone. And uh, the leaders there estimate around 35,000 new believers since uh, we started training there, which we give God praise for that. And um, uh, another country that uh, I want to highlight is Niger or Niger. Um, this is a very dangerous country, um, heavily isolated. Uh, um, uh, there are a lot of ISIS folks that, um, that live uh, there and a bunch of other uh, Islamic uh, terror groups. And so uh, Niger's a very dangerous place. But yet God's doing an incredible work, and especially among the, the Fulani. Uh, the Fulani are, have been a notorious, uh, dif- notoriously difficult people group to reach. Um, but yet God is really working among the Fulani uh, people group. 
And I know that might be a little hard to see. Niger is a really big country uh, geographically. And so in 2020, we started training there again. Um, they trained in 33 locations. That same year, they planted five churches. The next year, 24, 22, they planted um, 49. And so far this year, they've planted 107 churches. And so, um, yeah. When I say church, don't think Calvary Baptist Church, church, okay? I want to be clear that these are uh, indigenous churches that meet under trees or uh, in sheds or whatever they can find to meet in. So this might be a family of uh, five to ten or um, 20 people that get together on a Sunday morning. So don't think hundreds and hundreds when we, when we say church, okay? Jesus said we're two or three are gathered in, in my name. There I am in the midst. And so um, that's a, that, what we would cl- classify as a church. Another country is Ghana that I want to highlight. And um, God's really doing something special uh, in Ghana, in the English-speaking country again. And we're in the process of, of raising um, uh, Bibles, donated Bibles that will eventually go to Ghana some, probably sometime uh, early next year. And so if you have Bibles that you want to donate that will go uh, overseas, you can bring them to Equipping the Saints or bring them here and we'll get them somehow. Um, and we'll get them to Ghana uh, for the believers there. And so we started training there in, uh, in 2021, and they trained in 24 locations. And then in, in that same year, they planted 27 churches. Um, and then this year, last year, they planted 74. And so far this year, they've planted 39. And so we just give God praise for what he's doing uh, in West Africa. Now, I highlight these three countries because whether you know it or not, these are the countries that Calvary is supporting financially for these trainers to be able to go. And so as you tithe, as you give to, to the work here at Calvary, um, that gets passed on to indigenous workers overseas. And so every month, Calvary sets aside money for training to send. That uh, money gets used in these three countries specifically. Uh, and so here are the results. From, from Here are the direct results of, of your faithfulness to give. Uh, and so in Sierra Leone, since we started, they've planted 72 churches. In Niger, 158 or 185. And then in Ghana, 140. So totaling uh, 300, almost 400 churches have been planted because of your faithfulness. So I say thank you. And all this will make more sense when I get into my sermon and talk about how Paul was thankful for the participation in the gospel as, as, we, as we jump in. So I just say thank you. Uh, uh, for these um, national partners that we work with, they say thank you. We say thank you uh, as well. Um, since 2017, the Lord has blessed the, the training to send harvesters, those indigenous pastors, local leaders, planners, trainers on the field with 20,558 baptisms since 2017. And in that same time frame, the, the Lord has planted his church in 1,056 new locations. So 1,056 new churches um, throughout all the different countries that we're currently working. So how does that relate to what we're doing with equipping the saints? All that's great, right? But how, why, are, why are you here, Justin? Why aren't you still in Africa, <laughs> right? Well, the truth of the matter is we have all of these new believers. We have all of these new churches, and many of them don't have the resources. Uh, they don't have, many, of them don't, many of them share uh, about the Bible as a family. So one family might have one, um, uh, one scripture that they, that they share and they pass around. And so at Equipping the Saints, it's our role, it's our goal to come alongside of these trainers that are in Africa and resource them with the Bible, with the Scripture, with study tools where they can go uh, and continue to go. So as, uh, as Training to Sin continues to go and to push these, these um, 
uh, indigenous pastors and leaders and church planters into the harvest field. We want to come alongside of that um, with the scriptures to reinforce what they're doing. It's very hard to be a disciple if you don't have a copy of God's word. Would you agree with that? Right. So um, it becomes easier to become a disciple or to be a disciple of Jesus if you have his word written in, in form where you can read it and understand it and, and uh, draw for, from it. So his training to sin is the training arm. Equipping the saints will be the logistical or equipping arm, if you will. Okay. And the church, Calvary, helps undergird that. And there are other churches that are helping to undergird that as well. And so as Calvary gives to training to sin, training to sin gives to the, those People at the top are the frontline workers in Africa. Okay, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> and then as they report back, we report back um, to tra- they report back to training to sin, and your training to sin reports back to Calvary. And so every month, you guys are getting an update on what's happening that month in the countries that you're um, supporting. And if you don't have that or, or like that, just let me know, and I can get that um, to you. Okay. Uh, so uh, Ephesians, uh, equipping the saints is built on, you know, the foundation is Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And so our role is to come alongside of workers, the saints, who need to be equipped, to need to be, um, uh, have the scriptures or have the study tools that they need to go and make disciples and, and plant multiplying churches. And that is our role. So we want to build up the body of Christ uh, in a spiritual sense um, with maturity. But we also want to build up the body of Christ numerically. We want to add to the body of Christ. And so as trainers go and we resource those trainers, they can um, not only build the body spiritually, but build the body uh, numerically. Okay. Our mission statement, the mission of ETS, is to equip believers worldwide with the resources they need to make disciples and plant multiplying churches. This is our focus. This is our heartbeat. This is what we want to do. We want to focus on those that are going and making disciples and planting the church. Um, the world's not going to be one to Christ outside of the work of the church. That's just the reality. And so we want to, we want to invest in the local church, uh, not only here in the States, but abroad, uh, so that Christ's um, church can be advanced in his gospel Uh, be proclaimed uh, throughout the world. So domestically, what does that look like here in the States? We have a Bible store, a Bible um, and bookstore up at at the facility at ETS. If you need a new Bible or you want a book, come come see us and we can help you out with that. We also have a Spanish ministry that um, we're going to invest more in here in the future. And so we want to see God's uh, name proclaimed among the uh, Spanish speakers in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham uh, county area and also in uh, in Waynesboro as well. We have a closed ministry that Miss Candy's a big part of and, and uh, leads up and so um, that is a, a way that we can gain resources to, to pour back into uh, the ministry. So if you want to help in any of those areas um, feel free to let me know. Internationally we want to send Bibles in, uh, in written format but also in audio format. Some people don't read and so they uh, if they hear the, the word they can understand and apply it to their lives. We also want to help with projector kits for evangelism and then use cell phones and tablets and laptops to help with communication between us and those trainers on the field. Um, okay. So how can you help? We have, we have needs. We need volunteers. We need folks that can come in and help out. We need folks that will come in and pick book orders as we get orders in online. We need folks that can come in and, and help in that way. We need help bagging clothing and sorting books and uh, reorganizing the facility. Uh, we're in a big reorganization um, uh, place right now where we need to reorganize everything in the building. And so that's coming along uh, as well. But we need your help with that. So if you'd like to help, if you'd like to volunteer, please let me know and we can plug you in um, where you feel gifted. Okay? All right. So let's jump into our sermon. So if you have your Bible, be opening it to Philippians chapter 1. 
And also, at the same time, if you have a writing uh, device or your phone, uh, open a notes app. And I want you to write down five things you're thankful for, okay? So grab a pen and a piece of paper and write down, or you're in your phone, write down five things that you're faithful, or thankful for. As we come into this time of Thanksgiving this week, um, it's a time for us as believers um, to think differently about Thanksgiving than the rest of the world thinks about Thanksgiving. Um, we have a lot more to be thankful for than, than um, what most of the uh, rest of the world celebrates, or rest of the country, I should say, celebrates as, um, as Thanksgiving. So Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Okay. You can keep jotting down as I read um, the scripture here. Paul's writing to the, the church at Philippi, and, and, and often he does this in many of his, um, his letters to the various churches that he wrote to, and I'm thankful for Paul because he makes up about half of our New Testament. <laughs> I don't know about you, but Paul is somebody I can understand and, and relate with on a minute level. He is way more of a um, powerhouse than I'll ever be, but as a missionary, I can kind of relate to the way Paul thinks and the way Paul writes and, and some of the things that Paul um, says. And so, um, for, for, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 is where we'll begin, and we're going through verse 11, okay? Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you, all are, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with affection, with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that, you, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may prove what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, as we um, ponder and, and think about thanksgiving, uh, God, as we're sitting here in these moments, I pray that our hearts would be drawn to the gospel, that our hearts would be drawn to, God, the sacrifice that you've made for us as we've sang about that this morning. Thank you for that, God. And as my brother Corey prayed this morning, how can we ever repay you back for what you have done? God, might we think much and ponder much on these things this week as we think about Thanksgiving. And while the world, uh, the country around us, God, celebrates Thanksgiving, uh, God, we as believers in Jesus have so much more to be thankful for. I pray that that would become clear as we look at these passages, uh, the, these verses of Scripture this morning, God. I pray that you'd help me to get out of the way, that you would step in the way of what uh, we're doing in our lives, that we might be obedient to you in all that we say, in all that we do. Thank you for this 
this passage of Scripture. Help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're looking at thankfulness. We're talking about thankfulness, and we're going to look at a couple subjects, if you will, a couple of key points in this passage. And there are many uh, passages of Scripture that we, that we could have gone to on this, on this topic of uh, thankfulness. And for whatever reason, the Lord brought me here, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but we want to look at uh, thankful through prayer, praying with joy, and praying towards spiritual maturity. And I'm going to take a little bit of a, an, orthodox, an orthodox approach this morning. So we're going to look at verses 3 and 4, and then we're going to jump down to 9, 10, and 11. Because in 3 and 4, Paul says he's praying for them. And then 9, 10, and 11, he says how he's praying for them or what he's praying for them. And so we're going to look at those five verses, and then we'll jump into the, to the meat. It's interesting that this passage is kind of bookended with prayer, that Thanksgiving starts with prayer and, and ends with prayer. And so we want to look at, we want to look at that um, this morning. So Paul starts off, and he says, I'm thankful. Verse 3, notice he says, I'm thankful. I thank my God as I remember you, as I think about you, as I ponder uh, your faithfulness and what you've done, I, I'm, I'm drawn to this, this uh, heart of thanksgiving towards God. Paul spent about three months in Philippi while he was there, and you can read through Acts chapter 16 if you want to gain the, the, uh, the background of what's going on in that, in that, um, in that city. And uh, I encourage you to do that this week. Read through uh, Acts chapter 16, at least uh, from verse 12 and following. And we see that, that, uh, that Paul is thankful for these folks. He says there in verse 3, uh, I thank my God in remembrance of you. He spent time with these people. He uh, spent hours and days uh, with these folks. He probably slept um, in their homes. He, I, I'm sure, I know, he sh- shared meals uh, with them. And as he's praying and he's, he's thinking, um, he's probably thinking about those women that he, that he ran into at the riverside. You guys remember that in Acts, Acts 16? Uh, specifically Lydia and, and how Lydia came to Christ and then her whole household. And, and so Paul's probably thinking about these, um, these folks. He's probably also thinking about the Philippian jailer. You remember the story of that where he's in, him and Silas are in prison and they're praising God and singing. And then this earthquake comes and they're still there. And the Philippian jailer is like, where'd they go? And Paul's like, we're still here. Don't kill yourself, you know. And, um, and so, and, and through that experience, that, that Philippian jailer comes, comes to Christ. So Paul is, is thinking about these, these people. And uh, I wrote here, it's easy to know how to pray for someone when you spend time with them. It's hard to know how to pray somebody if you don't ha- have any relationship with them or you don't interact with them on a personal level. And so as we, as believers in Christ here at Calvary, we have relationships with the other, each other, and we should be praying um, for each other, just as Paul um, prayed, with those, uh, prayed for those uh, from, from the church at, at, uh, at Philippi. It's almost like Paul is, is, in one sense, saying the heart of thankfulness and the act of prayer go hand in hand. Or another way to say it, thankful people pray. Right? Thankful people pray. And so as we think about thankfulness this week, as we enter into um, Thursday, is Thanksgiving, as we think about thankfulness, um, we should pray. 
uh, for each other and for, uh, for those who don't have a relationship with Christ, those that, that can't, or un, can't understand the deeper meaning of what it is uh, to be truly thankful, to, honor, to, to bring honor and glory to Christ through our relationships. That's what Paul is doing here. He's, uh, he's thanking God as he's, as he's remembering these folks, as he's thinking about them, he's praying for them. At the end of verse 4 there, he says, um, or it, it, yeah, in verse 4, he says, Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Paul didn't see prayer as a, a task that, well, I've got to do this. I'm going to go spend 15 minutes in prayer this morning because that's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. Right? No, Paul's like, man, it's a joy for me to pray. It's a delight to stand before the King of glory and pray. Amen? Paul didn't see that as a task that he had to check off that morning. Paul saw prayer as a necessity for the life of the believer. He says this in in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. He says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In much of what Paul says, there you'll see prayer and thanksgiving connected often. We should make it a point to pray for each other and to do so with joy and with thanksgiving. So Paul makes it a point to pray for this church at Philippi. And we'll talk a little bit later about where he is. He had plenty of time on his hands to pray. We'll get into that in a minute. The second point in this, in this section on thankful through prayer is praying towards spiritual maturity. Look down at what Paul says in verse 9, 10, and 11. In verse 9, he says this, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. I love that he attaches knowledge and discernment to love. You know, young people, the world will tell you, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Anybody ever heard, follow your heart? Anybody ever heard that? Don't follow your heart. Believe me. It will leave you down a path of destruction. But instead, delight yourself in the, in the Lord. And he will give you the desire of your heart. That means he'll put his plan, his desire for you in your heart when you're delighting in him. Don't follow your heart. It, Jeremiah 17 Verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked or sick in the ESV. Who can understand it? We should make it a point to delight ourselves in the Lord and not in the things of this world. It's important that love is, has guardrails on either side of it. Think about bowling, and I'm not a bowler, so you know I'm terrible at it. But I know that if I if they put the guardrails up for me, I'm gonna hit pins nine times out of ten, <laughs> right? And so if you have love without guardrails, you might be in the gutter. You might find yourself in the gutter. But if you put guardrails up, if you allow the Holy Spirit to put guardrails up in your life, knowledge and discernment. 
even if you throw that thing wild, it's going to bounce off knowledge and discernment all the way down the, the, uh, the, the rail there, and it'll eventually get to some pins. And so I just encourage you to, to do that. Yeah, love should abound more and more, but it should be guarded with knowledge and discernment. And I'm thankful that Paul throws that caveat in there, that that understanding that we need knowledge and we need discernment. We need our, our love to be guided by something. A truth, obviously. Verse 10, he says, So that you may appro- approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He's playing, praying for these believers that, that their love may abound with knowledge and discernment so that they'll know what is good, what is excellent. When we're not guided by the Scripture, we can think some bad things are good things and good things are bad things. We need a standard. You hear some folks say, by what standard should I do this or that or whatever? It's important that we have a standard. And for us as believers, this is the standard. 66 books written over a period of 1,500 years by over 40 different authors. And not one point of it contradicts another. In my mind, that's a miracle. You can take all of us and see one event and we all write it where it's perfect. <laughs> but God did through his word, through, his, through the writers that he chose to write. And so he wants us to understand what is excellent, what is pure, so that we can be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's the, the goal for us as, as believers is to, to reach heaven in a, uh, a way that would be pleasing to God. Christ has done all the work. He's just asking us to be obedient. He says in verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He wants us to be blameless. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to be filled with the, with the fruit of righteousness. That fruit is the outworking of, of the Holy Spirit as he imputes his righteousness to us. As he gives us his righteousness he wants us to be filled in that and to work to, to, to walk in that in obedience to his calling on our lives. So as he tells the, the church at Philippi that he is praying for them in, in verses 3 and 4, in 9 and 10 and 11 he, shows, he tells them how he's praying for them or what that looks like or what his desire for them is. Let's jump back up to verse 5 and Look at how the church of Philippi partnered with Paul in his ministry. Verse 5 says, Because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You remember what he said at the end of verse 4? Making my prayer with joy. Why is he making his prayer with joy? Because they partnered with him in the gospel. Verse 5 is the answer to to the question in verse 4. Why did he pray with joy? Because... Because he knew he had some folks that he could count on if he needed help. There were some believers there in Philippi that loved on Paul and cared for Paul. So as we think about partnership, and this is why I shared 
about what's happening in Africa because you guys are partnering with us in the gospel in Africa. Whether you know that or not, that's happening. You're doing that. You're a part of it. And we say thank you. We thank you for that. We couldn't do it without you. We, the believers in, in Africa couldn't go where, they, where they're going to without your support. And so we say thank you. Paul's saying the same thing to the church of Philippi. They helped him on at least four occasions. Let's flip over to Philippians chapter 4 and, and, and see what Paul says to them. Philippians 4, um, starting in verse 15. Let's start in verse 14. He says, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So there's one time when he left Macedonia, the church of Philippi helped him financially. They gave a, a love, took up off a love offering of some sort and, and sent that to, to Paul when he left Macedonia. Verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once. And again, there's two more times that they helped Paul financially in his need. So once in Macedonia and then twice, once in, and again in Thessalonica. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. Anybody know where Paul's writing from when he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi? Where's he at? Prison. Think Paul has some needs when he's in prison? Yeah, especially a Roman prison. It's a little different than prison in America, I can promise you. I've been to a prison in Senegal, and I'm sure it was nothing like prison in Rome, and I wouldn't want to be in the prison in Senegal, I can tell you that right now. They don't take care of your needs, they don't provide you clothing. They give you bread and water three times a day in Senegal. If you want something other than that, your family has to fix it and bring it to you. And so I'm not saying it's exactly like that, what Paul's facing, but I'm sure it's something similar. And yet the church of Philippi comes to his aid. Look at verse 18, what it says there in Philippians 4. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. Not only did the church at Philippi meet the need that Paul had, but they added a little extra in, evidently. He says, I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then verse 19, that encouraging verse and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So not only did the church of Philippi come to Paul's financial situation, the aid that he needed financially, but they also sent somebody to be a bear, to help Paul, to spend time with him. Just like in Senegal, where if your family doesn't fix your food, you're going to eat bread and water three times a day, every day. Well, Epaphroditus came alongside of Paul to help him in that environment, in his imprisonment, which was, I'm sure, a great encouragement to Paul. 
I can only imagine that it would be pretty, be, well, I don't know about for Paul, but for me it would be pretty depressing to be in prison. <laughs> I think Paul saw it in a different light, at least in, uh, when he was in Philippi, in the prison of Philippi he did. But nonetheless, they came to his aid. They came to help his physical need, his financial need. And for that, Paul is saying thank you to this church at, at Philippi. We know from uh, Acts chapter 28, verse 16, that it's, poss- it's, it's probable that Paul was under house arrest. You can read that verse and kind of glean, glean that information. Um, so it was probably a little better situation than being in, uh, in a true Roman prison. But nonetheless, it would be pretty discouraging um, to be isolated and, and uh, alone. And Paul took advantage of that and would share it with the Roman soldiers that were guarding him, though. <laughs> Which is, which is pretty cool. Let's move on to verse 6 of uh, Philippians chapter 1. And Paul, continuing to write, he says, I'm sure of this. I don't know about you, but that gives me joy. That, you know, I, I love that. Um, I, this one thing I'm sure of. I'm sure of this. And then what does he go on to say? It's a very encouraging verse for us as believers. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the assurance of salvation. I'm thankful that my salvation does not depend on Justin Hoy. Because if it does, I'm in a world of trouble. Right? I'm thankful for the assurance of salvation. I'm thankful that, that, uh, that God's word proclaims and celebrates that we as believers are in his hand and that he'll never let go of us. Amen? And Paul says, I, I'm sure of this, or we would probably say, you can take it to the bank. It's as good as accomplished. It's as good as finished. You can take it to the bank. It's a guarantee. Do you think Paul was lacking in God's ability or willingness to secure the believer? I don't think he was. Paul can feel this way towards those believers at Philippi, not because he knew them, but because he knew Christ. It wasn't because of his, his understanding of who they were. It was because of Christ. It's because he understood and knew God. He understood God's sovereignty, at least as much as any human can understand it. There's two verbs in this passage that are very important for us to understand. The, the began and the will bring. If you're a believer in Jesus this, this morning, you're somewhere between began and will bring. There's a lot that happens in between the began and the will bring. Right? There's a lot of sanctification that has to happen between the the began and the will bring. But praise God, we're, we're a work in progress. I almost titled this thing, I'm glad you're not perfect. Because <laughs> we're both all in the same boat. We all need sanctified each and, each and every day. More and more each and every day. The ESV study Bible says this, the 
Genuine spiritual progress is rooted in what God has done, is doing, and will do. Again, I'm thankful that my, my security or my assurance doesn't rely on me. It is incomfort, it's, incomfort, it's comforting for me to know, again, that I'm in the, the Father's hand, that you're in the Father's hand if you're a believer in Jesus, that you're in his hand and he won't let you go. And no one can snatch you out of his hand, as, as John 10, 28 and 29 says. We should rejoice in the fact, we should be thankful for the fact that God has sealed us and secured us in Christ. That he's given us the Holy Spirit of promise that's come into us and sealed us until the day of redemption, as Ephesians chapter 1 13 and 14 say. We should be thankful that we have the freedom to do what we believe God's called us to do. We worked with so many churches in Africa that were, let me just say, a little more charismatic than we are, if I can say it that way. And we would talk to pastors about this doc, the doctrine of assurance. And uh, I would ask the question, hey, brother, can, is it possible for you to lose your salvation? The pastor would say, no. I would say, well, why do you preach that to your people? And he said, because I'm not them. I don't know about them. I was like, wait a minute. It's okay for you to say you can't lose your salvation, but it's not okay for you to, to, to teach that to others? That makes no sense. I'm thankful for this doctrine of assurance that we can have steadfast assurity that Christ has us in his hand and he won't let go. And we should be thankful for that. So many people that I talk to in Africa that struggle with this understanding of assurance are held in bondage by fear. And so what do you do when you're, when you're fearful? Many times you don't work. I know it was that way for, for most of them, that they wouldn't accomplish anything because they didn't want to do the wrong thing. So they didn't want to trip up in something. And so instead of doing something, they do nothing. That's not productive at all. Christ wants us to be productive for his kingdom. Amen? And so I'm thankful that we have this understanding that we are secure in Christ. It gives us the freedom to go and do what God's called us to do without fear of messing up, which we're going to do anyways, right? Let's move on to verse 7 and, and, uh, and 8. I split out 7 to 7a, 7b, and then uh, in, in verse 8, the title of this one is Thankful for the Brethren or Spiritual Relationships. Let's look at verse 7, what he says there in the first half of that. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Verse 8, he goes on and says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. Again, going back to the first point, Paul had a relationship with these people that he's writing to. He spent time with them. He'd been in their homes. He'd been, he shared many, many meals with them. He spent three months with these folks, training them and encouraging them, coming alongside them and helping them. His relationship with them was much deeper than a high and a bye. There was a lot that was said between the high and, and the bye. 
I'm thankful for the spiritual bond that we have as, uh, as the body of Christ here at Calvary. I'm thankful that our bond goes deeper than a high and a by. That there's a spiritual foundation that our relationships are built on. And if you don't have a relationship like that here with somebody, I encourage you to grab somebody and, and work on that. I say all the time that we all need a Paul and we all need a Timothy. And we all need a Barnabas. We all need somebody that's pouring into us. We all need somebody that we can pour into. And we all need somebody to come alongside of us and encourage us. We all need that. Pastor Stewart shared last week about together we encourage. I don't know about you, but I need that every day. Especially in this world we live in now. I need that encouragement. And I know you need it too. I need relationships that are deeper than a high and a by. And I'm thankful for the ones that, that Christ has allowed me to be a part of. Hopefully the other folks feel the same way. Paul had a connection with these believers that was very deep, very profound. Again, he'd spent time in their homes and He'd probably played with their kids if they had kids. It goes deeper than even that, though, because these, many of these believers in Philippi were believers because, directly because of Paul. Many of these believers were his spiritual children. I hope you have some spiritual children. It's important for us to understand that these relationships are necessary for us as believers. The, the Christian life was not meant to be isolated. We live in a society today that's isolated enough as it is. When we, we're in Senegal, Senegal is a very communal populace. They spend a lot of time together as a family. I wish... Our culture here was a little more like that. And so it's, it's important for us to invest time, and I used the word invest intentionally, that we invest time in building relationships with each other. It's challenging and it's a struggle. It's, you know, going and sharing the gospel on the street can be easy. Going and training and making disciples is not as easy because it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy. But it's important. It's important for us to do. Let's move on and look at the second part of verse 7 and, and talk about grace. 7b, Paul again says, For you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the gospel. Paul, was, Paul needed those to come alongside of him. Again, going back to partnering for the sake of the gospel, these, these believers at Philippi had partnered with Paul in uh, being God's resource of grace to Paul in his need. 
Paul was thankful for these believers at Philippi because they came alongside of him when he had a need. They were willing to sacrifice to to support the need that Paul had. They were his agents of grace, if you will. They sent Epaphroditus to come alongside of Paul while he was in prison there in Rome and to be an encouragement to Paul. We all need grace and struggles. We all need God's grace and struggles. We all need those friends and, and relationships that we built to come alongside of us as we go through times of struggle. And if you haven't been through a struggle recently, it's probably coming around the corner if, it, if not. He also says, in the second part of that, he says, for the defense, uh, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, this is uh, two terms that have a legal um, have a legal background, or uh, specifically Roman trial. Um, and so, as Paul is on trial before Rome, he needed God's grace, and Epaphroditus was there to help in in that in any way that he could. I love what Paul says uh, down in verse 16, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. He says this, the latter do out of love. Let's, let's jump back to 15. He says, uh, some preach Christ from envy and, and, and um, rivalry, but others from goodwill. Verse 16, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Paul's saying specifically, I'm in prison for the defense of the gospel. I'm here because I've defended the gospel, and I'm here to defend the gospel and confirm the gospel. And so Paul needed grace in that. We all need grace in the defense and the proclamation of the gospel. I can't share Christ outside of God's grace. It's impossible. If I do, nothing will come of it. So I'm thankful for God's grace. As we close, none of this other stuff that I've mentioned this morning, spiritual relationships, partnership in the gospel, uh, praying would be, out, would be uh, possible apart from God's grace. It's God's grace that, t- that tore the veil from top to bottom that gives us the ability to pray, that gives us the ability to come boldly before his throne of grace. It's only by grace that we can partner together for the sake of the gospel. It's only by God's grace that we have this awesome gift and assurance of salvation. It's only by grace that we can have spiritual relationships with one to another. And so grace makes the Christian life possible, and therefore, we should be thankful. I don't know where you guys are this morning in your spiritual walk. But I know one thing, y'all, everybody, all of us need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need his grace. Because outside of grace, outside of a belief in, in Jesus Christ, we will spend eternity separated from him. For those of you who are in Sunday school this morning, You understand that well when we answer the question, is hell hell real? It's as real as I'm standing here. 
And so we all need his grace. Not only do we all need his grace, but everybody that we know needs his grace. And so just like the Philippians were agents of grace for Paul, we should be agents of grace for those around us. And those afar as well. So again, I'm not, I don't know where you are. I wouldn't even claim to begin to understand where you are. But I ask you to come to Jesus. If there's somebody in here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, I beg you to come to Christ. You'll never regret it. It's not going to be easy. He didn't promise easy. But the retirement is awesome.